Revelations 5 and verse 1, and it says this, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Can you say a lamb? As it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are in the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And we had, when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb. Can you say the lamb? Having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. I believe in the power of prayer. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and, the, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That's a lot of thousands. And saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I want to preach to you tonight for a few minutes on this subject, who is worthy to open the book? Why don't you go ahead and set your Bible down and lift your hands all over this place. I'm asking you to lift up your voice and pray that God would touch your heart tonight and prepare us. Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight expecting to receive something from your word. Lord, we haven't come here just to go through the motions, but we've come to give you praise tonight. And we love you, Jesus. Lord, we're thankful and we're excited about what's taking place in your kingdom. And we're honored to be a part of the work of the kingdom of God. I wonder if you could clap your hands to a one more time all over this place and shout hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody said amen. Man, you may be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. I feel tonight that God is going to do a work in somebody's life, but not through your emotions, but through a fresh revelation of who Jesus is and what he is to you one-on-one -on -one, in a personal way. God wants to remind somebody tonight who he is. Everything in this world that involves opportunity is measured by questions. For example, I remember very distinctly 
one of my very first job interviews. I stepped into the interview and there was a lady there and a man there and they sat me down at the table and they began to ask me questions. They've ever been in a job interview and they began to ask me questions. Why do you think that you're the man for this job? What makes you think that you are qualified for this job? And I remember, you know, you, you want to get that job in that moment. So I remember, you know, I had to start thinking of, 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 of some good things about myself. And it, it actually took me a while. I need, I need to think of some good qualities that I can bring to these interviews. And see, I don't really like to brag on myself all that much, but in an interview... It's all about what you're capable of and what you're able to do. If you want to be famous in this world, if fame is something that you want to require, then you will have to sit before people that are going to critique you and they're going to ask you questions. And uh, do you have what it takes to be the next American Idol, or do you have the voice of a star? Can you take the pressure and the negative feedback that it's going to take to get you to stardom? Because everything in this world that involves opportunity is measured by what you are capable or incapable of. But there is only one who doesn't operate that way. His name is Jesus. And when he came to earth, he turned everything upside down. And he taught the paradox of godly living. And in the book of Acts, we find the beginning of this thing we call the church. Aren't you thankful for the church? The church of Acts is the only institution that isn't based on your qualifications. In our text, in the book of Revelation chapter 5, we read of John's vision as he looked into heaven. And in the vision, John begins to explain to the reader that they were attempting to open the seven scrolls. Now, in John's day, books were written on scrolls, rolled up and sealed with wax. And the scroll that John sees contains the full account of what God has in store for the future of the world. The seals are throughout the scroll so that as each one is broken, more of the scroll can be read to reveal another phase of God's plan for the end of the world. And all of a sudden, John describes what he says, a strong angel. Now, you can just help picture that with me. I guess it was just a really strong angel. I don't have a better explanation for you than that. But he says, a strong angel stepped up and said, who is worthy to open the book? No man was found worthy to open this book. Now, you'll have to excuse me for being amused. I, I tend to be a little on the smart aleck side. I don't mean to be... I try not to, but it's just the way God made me. I'm, I'm praying about it. Brother Ryan, help me pray every day that, that God will help me not to be such a smart aleck. But when I read this verse, I can't help 
but almost be amused. Um, it, it's funny to me how John's response is the stereotypical Christian response. It says, because John responded the exact same way that I think I would have responded. The exact same way. I just know I would have responded this way. John's looking at all of this taking place and he confesses in his writings. He says, I wept much. And I've seen this exact thing take place in Pentecostal churches all over America. We have the song service. We listen to the preaching. The sermon convicts our hearts and we decide to go to the altar call only beginning to sing the old song. Unworthy, I'm so unworthy. I have nobody to call my own. See what I'm saying? It happens. We approach the altar instead of looking at who God is, but we approach the altar thinking, I am so unworthy. Oh, this, this unworthiness overtaketh me, God. Well, you don't have to feel too bad about it because John responded the same way. But instantly, one of the elders says to John, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Finally, John begins to realize that the elder just answered the question, which by the way, you should listen to your elders. Often they have the key to the answer that you're looking for, but that's a different message for a different time, but you should listen to your elders. And, and finally, he begins to realize that the lamb is worthy. I'm not worthy, but the lamb is worthy. And he says, who is worthy to open the book? And John looks to the throne and there stood a lamb that was slain. Revelations 13 tells us that Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And just like the angel, often we have asked ourselves the same question. Who is worthy to open the book? Who is worthy to hold my future? Who is worthy to look into my past? Who is worthy to open the book? Do I have any hope? Is there any hope for me? Just like the strong angel, we begin to ask ourselves the question, is there any hope for them at all? I feel in the Holy Ghost today that we're looking at some people here that have wondered in the last month, is there any hope for me at all? I'm going to tell you the answer is very simple tonight. Who's worthy to open the book? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. But here's the good part. That's enough. That's enough. I've come to tell you today, by the authority of the Holy Ghost, your greatest days are not behind you, they are in front of you, not because you're worthy, but because the Lamb is worthy. 
Can you lift your hands all over this house and just give them some praise? Come on, somebody. Lift up your voice in this house. We're going to move move forward in just a second, but I want you to receive that tonight and get that into your spirit. God has something great for you tonight. God has something miraculous for you tonight, not because of you, but because of him. He is worthy to open the book. Scripture is very specific to say Jesus is the lion, say the lion, and he is the lamb. The lamb represents the past when Jesus died on Calvary. The lion represents the future where Christ the lion will lead the battle where Satan is finally defeated. So when you think about it, when he's referred to as the lamb, it's like he's saying, I got your back. I got your back. When it says he's the lion, I got your future. I got your future. I am the lion and I am the lamb. I got your back. He's the God of the old, and he's the God of the new. He is the one who is worthy to open the book. Only Jesus is worthy to open the book. Sometimes I fear that we try to turn the church into the Christian version of American Idol. Oh, you, you want to be involved. Well, do you have the voice of a star and... Do you have what it takes to be the next Christian idol? Or do you have what it takes to be the next apostolic tabernacle praise singer? Do you have what it takes? Do you have the talent? Do you have the capability? Maybe you feel called to preach. Do you have the ability to preach? Are you good enough to preach? I feel like we get that down in our spirit. Do you have the X factor? Do you have what it takes? Let it not be so in the church. We don't need an X factor. All you need is a Jesus factor. And if you've got that, that's all that you need let it not be so in the house of God it's not about you and it's never been about you and since we're reading from the book of Revelation I'm going to go ahead and say it one more time because this is a revelation some of us have a hard time with it's not about you it's never been about you and it never will be about you this thing called the church it's about Jesus this thing called the church it's about Jesus Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it's all about Jesus. Now, in 1965, an idea was born. It was called the idea that formed an industry. The University of Florida football team had been testing a drink that amazingly increased their number of wins that year. And a drink called Gatorade. Do we have any Powerade fans in the house? Gatorade. Maybe you've heard of Gatorade's slogan. I don't know if they still do it anymore. I probably should have checked on that. But Gatorade's slogan simply said, Is it in you? Is it in you? Now, if Gatorade were here right now, Mr. Gatorade, he would ask you the question, is it in you? Now, notice the slogan doesn't say, do you have what it takes? 
Are you able? The slogan simply says, is it in you? Can you say, is it in you? Now, I hate to break this to the Gatorade Advertisement Agency, but the Apostle Paul and John were the original. (laughs) They were the original to ask that question. Long before Gatorade ever came around. It said in Acts 19 and 2, he said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether or not there be a Holy Ghost. And it says in verse 19 and 5 in the book of Acts, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So before Gatorade ever came out, the Apostle Paul was going up to people saying, is it in you? Now, I just happened to have. I don't even know how that got there. It was just down there. It was coincidental. I happened to to have found the world's largest pile of Gatorade. (laughs) This thing cost me $2. So appreciate this, okay? All right? Rylan, can you help me out, buddy? Can you stand? I love you. It's good to see you again. Okay. Now, go ahead and open that up for me. You're going to have to be careful, though, because if I spill it and Pastor gets back from Serbia, it's not going to be good. So just, just we don't want to get stains all over the carpet, okay? Now, hold it for me, okay? Do you like Gatorade? All right, he loves Gatorade. Now, <clears throat> here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to take a drink of it for me. Can you do that? Okay, take a quick drink. A little bit more. It looks really good. I'm really thirsty right now. All right. All right. Could you taste it? Was it it pretty good? Now, I need to get some. Next time I use Gator, I'm going to stand. No, okay. So it tasted good. Now, it's safe to say that the Gatorade that Brylan drank, is it in you? All right. It's in. Okay. It's, I, it, can we raise our hand? Do we agree? It's in, Brylan. <laughs> okay. Could, so you could taste it. It was, it, was, it was really good, right? That was some good Gatorade. And so now in order for it to get to the point where we could say, is it in you? And we could say, yes. Right? It's, it's in you now. It's, you're a Gatorade fanatic. You can't get over it, right? He's excited. So in order for this Gatorade to get inside of Brylin, it had to pass his tongue. He had to taste it. He had to feel it. He had to know that it was there. And that's what Paul was talking about. The original Gatorade advertisement slogan. Is it in you? Has it passed by your tongue? He said they began to speak in other tongues. Sometimes that's how God does it. You want to know it's real? You got to taste it. 
You gotta taste it. That's how you know it's real. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, is it in you? Have you tasted it? I know it's real. That's why 1 John 4 and 4 is one of my favorite scriptures. Because John answers the question of worthiness. And at the same time answers the Gatorade slogan. 1 John 4 and 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he, greater is he, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's not about you, and it's never been about you. It's about, is it in you? If you've got the Holy Ghost, then Jesus is in you. It's no longer about what you're capable of or even, yes, what you're worthy of. I'm going to say that again. It's not even about what you're worthy of because when it's in you, when it's about Jesus, it's no longer about what you're worthy of. It's about worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And it's no longer about what I'm able to do or about what you're able to do. It's about what Jesus is able to do. Because it's inside of me. I was having a Starbucks with Jonathan the other day. and We sat there for about an hour talking. And I, I was about to get up and I was about to leave. And so I'll catch you later, John. He said, hold on a second. I want to ask you a question. Did you notice what I was doing? Remember this, John? Did you notice what I was doing? I said, no, I didn't notice. He said, yes, that means I did it right. I said, what were you doing? He said, Nathan, let me begin to explain something to you. I've been reading a book about sales strategies and, and it's called synchronization. And every time that you would cross your leg, I would cross my leg. And every time that you would fold your arms, I would fold my arms. But you never noticed it. You never saw it. And by agreeing with you physically, subconsciously, you didn't even know that I could have sold you anything that I wanted. And I, and I began to think how, how sometimes we don't even realize what we're, what we're doing. And he says we don't even realize we're doing it. But, but when you have that relationship, when you agree with them, when you synchronize with them, it's showing that there's a relationship. And when, when there's relationship, you begin to imitate one another and you begin to emulate one another. And I began to think sometimes that's how it is with Jesus. After I got the Holy Ghost, I don't always mean to do it. But I've got the Holy Ghost. 
Holy Ghost. I just want to be more like Jesus. I just want to be more like Jesus. That's why in Acts 1 and 8 it says, if you, if you go out this back door and walk up that back stairwell, you're going to go up and you're going to see our youth room. Outside of the youth room is a banner that says Acts 1 and 8. And I love it that it's out there because it's awesome. It says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You see, it's not about your power. It's about the power of the Lamb. It's not about your ability. It's about the ability of the Lamb. Look at your neighbor and say, is it in you? Now, you don't have to be in a Pentecostal church for very long before you hear somebody say, in the name of Jesus. It's going to happen. If you come to our church, you're going to hear it. People are going to say it. Sometimes they're going to yell it. Sometimes they're going to scream it. Sometimes they're going to dance while they say it and yell it and scream it at the same time. We say, in the name of Jesus. You'll see many times in Scripture where the apostles laid hands on the sick and called on the name of Jesus and miracles took place and blind eyes were open and the dead were raised and the sick were healed and depression would have to flee. Evil would have to flee at the mention of that name. Because when you call on the name of Jesus, you're taking it out of the finite hands of the unable and placing that situation into the hands of the only one who is worthy to open the book. Can you clap your hands to the Lord all over this house? Because he alone has the power to heal, to save, to deliver. That's why we sing songs like, There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. That's why we sing about it, because when you give it to Jesus, it's no longer about what you're able to do. It's about what Jesus is able to do. When my mother had cancer for the first time, she just finished her second round with it, and I'm so thankful that she's here today, that she's okay. But the first time that she dealt with cancer, it was very hard. It was a much harder situation than even the second time because of the chemo. And I remember I would have trouble sleeping, and I would get up out of bed, and I would get up and go get a drink and try to find something to distract me and help my mind. And I'll never forget going out in the hallway to get a drink of water, and I look in the room, and my father's kneeling down by the bed saying, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, 
Lord, I don't know what you have planned, but I place it into your hands. She was asleep most of the time. She probably couldn't even hear it, but I would see him say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And I'd go to bed, and I'd get up again, in the name of Jesus. And I'd go through the next week, and I'd get up again, in the name of Jesus. And I'd go through another month, and I'd get up again, in the name of Jesus. I don't know what you have planned, but I place it in your hands right now. You know what? It wasn't an overnight battle. It wasn't a one-time call on the name. It wasn't even a six-month call on the name. But I'm going to tell you something. She's sitting right here right now. And I came to tell you, if you've got a situation, I came to... You just keep calling it. You just keep calling the name of Jesus. Don't stop calling the name of Jesus. That's why Peter and John approached the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. They knew they weren't able to heal him. But they knew, they knew somebody who could heal him. And they knew that they had the revelation and knowledge of Jesus. That's why Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. When he said such as I have, he was talking about the Holy Ghost. When he said the name, he was calling on the name of Jesus. Sometimes you just got to get filled with the Holy Ghost and keep calling on the name. Get refilled in the Holy Ghost and keep calling on the name and something is bound to break. And it says he stood and walked and entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. I'm telling the church tonight this thing we've got a hold of is the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. Sometimes you've got to realize this isn't a me thing. This is a Jesus thing. This isn't a me thing. It's not about me. You just keep placing it in the hands of the Lamb. You just keep putting it at the feet of the lamb. And you would be amazed what could begin to happen in your life. Can we all stand all over this house if the musicians can come quickly? We're coming quickly to, to a close. That's why in Philippians 4 and 19, it says, but my God shall supply all of your need according to to my riches? No, it says he's going to supply your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know, it wasn't but a few weeks ago that our evangelist Joe Campatello was here. Did God bless your life during that revival? God moved in a mighty, mighty way. My life was touched in a very powerful way that I will never forget. And I remember one, one Sunday night, one of the four services, 
I believe it was a Sunday night, and he began to talk about worship. And I usually sit right there. I like to sit on the front row, and I like to worship. And I remember he began to say, I want you to begin to break out of what you're comfortable with and what you're familiar with, and I want you to do it. And something pricked me in my heart, and you know what? I was sitting right here, and I felt this urge in my heart to run the aisle right in the middle of church. And it felt like I wanted to run that aisle so bad, but I wasn't running it. And I sat right there. And you know the voice that I kept hearing in my head? You're unworthy to get out there and run around that aisle and act like you're so special and act like you've, you, that, that you're so special. And I kept hearing that evil spirit in my head. You're not worthy. There's no reason for you to do that. And you know what? I began to think and pray. I said, Jesus, I don't want that spirit in my life. I want to pray that spirit out of my life. And you know what I said? I said, it's not about me being worthy. That's not why I run the aisle. I run the aisle because Jesus is worthy. And I'll tell you something, I took off so fast, I ran so fast I could barely keep my footing and I ran all the way around the aisle and I would start to hear that voice saying you're unworthy and I stopped for a second and Michael ran right into my back and then there was Stan and then there was Brylin and there was all kinds of people running the aisle. You know what? There's a voice in your head tonight. I feel in the Holy Ghost. It's trying to keep you from something that God wants and it keeps whispering you're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. I came to tell you tonight you're not the one who opens the book. Jesus is the one who opens the book. It's not about me being worthy. You know the one who's worthy. The one who's worthy lives inside of you. Oh, come on, somebody. I wonder if you feel that urge in your spirit. If you want to come to this altar right now, I, I, I don't want you to listen to that voice. I don't want you to think about you. I want you to think about Get you out of your mind. Get your past out of your mind. Get your mistakes out of your mind. I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight, I don't run this aisle because I'm worthy. It's never been about me. I don't come to church because I'm worthy. It's never been about me. I don't sing on the praise team because I'm worthy. It's never been about me. It's about the Lamb. The Bible says they began to sing a new song. The old song is about me. The new song is about Him. The old song was about me. The new song is about Him. Break. Second, I want to sing.
I'm going to tell you something. I'm feeling this in the Holy Ghost. I want you to keep your hands lifted up in the air and your eyes closed, but I want you to listen to my voice. If, you, if you're hearing a voice in your head that's saying, I'm not worthy, look at what I've done. Thank God you love me anyway. I can guarantee you that's not the new song. The old song is always about you. The old song always revolves around you. But the Bible says, when the elder approached John, he said, Weep not, weep not. The lion and the lamb is worthy to open the book. And they sang a new song. The new song went like this. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. If you hear that voice, that's not the new song. The new song is always about him. The new song always focuses on him. Now I want you to get the old song out of your head right now. I want you to pray it out of your life right now. And I'm asking you to lift up your voice and lift up your head. Because if you lift up your head, I want you to symbolize I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done for me. I'm not ashamed because it's not about me. I'm unashamed of the gospel because he who knew no sin became sin. Break every chain, break.